Welcome to the Slam Radio Podcast, featuring Front Page 305. Welcome to Miami. <laughs> hot and so hot and hot. So hot Welcome to Front Page 305. This is Walter Villa, and it is hot in here because we're going to talk about the Miami Heat today. And before I introduce my great co-host, I want to just uh, line up a little bit about what the show's uh, going to be happening today. We have Anthony Chang, who covers the NBA finalist Miami Heat for the Miami Herald. We're going to ask Anthony about the NBA draft, which happens tomorrow, and NBA free agency, and that takes place starting on Friday. And then in our second segment, we're going to bring on an Olympic gold medalist. I mean, that's big time. Uh, and a Miami Beach resident, Lindsay Shoup. She has just written a book, which uh, dropped today. So there's a lot going on. But first, let me, as, as mentioned, let me, men- let me bring in our co-host first, Andre Fernandez. Andre, welcome. What's up, Walby? Good to be back. And our, yeah, man, it is. It's been a while. I think we haven't had a show in three weeks. So uh, yeah. uh, it's been a while. Stuff keeps uh, happening and keeping us off the air. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There was an election. There was a flood, uh, natural disasters, uh, dogs and cats living together. Uh, but let's mass hysteria. In, uh, <laughs> mass hysteria. Let's bring in Santos Perez. Also, introduce him right quick. Uh, he's, you know, I've known Andre for a couple of decades, but I've known Santos since we went to Miami High in the early 1800s in a log cabin. Santos, welcome. Yeah, I'm still looking for that pool on the fourth floor, right at Miami High. It wasn't that always the story. Uh, go up to the, uh, take the elevator to the fourth floor, and you'll find the swimming pool up there. That's, That's the right. Miami, Miami High myth, right? Well, let's get, that's right, Santos. Let's get right to it with Anthony. This is a big time guy. We're so grateful that he's joined us for the show. Anthony, welcome to the front page. Hey guys, I don't know about big time and I definitely can't compete with a gold medalist. So, but I'll try, I'll try my best. I'll try my best. (laughs) That's true. Thanks, Anthony. Well, let's get right to it, man. Uh, The draft is coming up uh, tomorrow. What do you expect? I mean, in the old days of Pat Riley, who wouldn't play rookies, that's, no longer the case now and Tyler Hero had a great impact this past season what do you expect the Heat will do in this draft I mean there's a lot of different ways they could go I know that's kind of a cop-out answer but there really is like this draft while while you know criticized for not having maybe a surefire guy at the top of the draft there's no you know Zion or or, or LeBron or guy like that um, but there is depth and going through this class the Heat will have an opportunity to get a rotation player at pick 20 if they keep it. Um, now, they can't trade the pick in advance of the draft because of NBA rules, but they can, like, basically make a prearranged trade pick for a team, and then after they make that selection, trade that player to a team. So, I, I honestly would not – because this draft is so deep, I would not be surprised if the Heat end up trading down um, or trading their pick for a future pick, maybe because they, they really don't have many picks to trade down the road. So, they can acquire a future pick that – We'll give them some draft capital to include in a in a future trade, um, which is the price to trade for a star these days, as we saw with uh, Drew Holiday yesterday. Um, I, I would not be surprised if they get that opportunity if they if they go that route. Yeah, because Anthony, historically, they really when they've been picking this low, they don't really get somebody of like major value, or sometimes they end up trading it. But yeah. uh, but but overall, I mean, you know. Is there someone that if they don't trade it, like who do you who do you have pegged as part probably as somebody like who's your your gut feeling that would they would probably get? I mean, we've heard a lot of either a point guard or another big man to kind of help yeah. out in the front court. 
I think um, I think the biggest need right now for them is, is a power rotation player, a big guy, um, especially because uh, Myers Leonard is a free agent. You know, there's some uncertainty if he'll return. He wants he wants playing time. I don't know if he can promise that. Kelly Olynyk, you know, he has a player option. He's expected to opt in and come back, but he only has one year left on his deal. Even if he does come back, uh, so at some point you got to fill that 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 void and, and get a backup for Bam or even somebody that can play next to Bam. And there is a guy that I think is a really really good fit for the Heat if he's available at 20, which is questionable. He's he's he's, he's expected to go in that range. Uh, Maryland big man Jalen Smith, who, you know, to play to, as a big to play next to Bam, you got to be able to shoot the ball, shoot from the outside because you know Bam lives in the paint, and you have to be able to block shots because they like he like to use Bam on the perimeter, switching on to different guys. So ideally, you want a guy who could anchor the defense around the basket and block shots, and that's kind of what Jalen Smith does. He's he's a three and D big. He can sh- he can make threes. A good shooter. Um, and he's a really good shot blocker. Has a he's you know has a, a pretty long wingspan, I think like seven two, seven one wingspan. Um, so he can block shots, protect the rim, and he can make threes. That checks both boxes you're looking for uh, when you're looking for a big to play expand. So I think if Jalen Smith is available, uh, he would be a really nice fit for the Heat. Anthony, the emphasis, immediate emphasis on the draft, but free agency looming a couple of days afterward. Where do the Heat stand right now as far as? Uh, Resigning Goran Dragic is that a, is that looking good at this point, or are we likely have we likely seen the end of Goran Dragic here in Miami? I would expect Goran to be back here with the Heat um, next season. Uh, you know, from ever from you know people I talked to around the team, around players on this team, um, they all expect that deal to kind of come to fruition pretty quickly once negotiate once negotiations begin. Like it's not that complicated. The Heat really aren't in position to offer a long-term deal, but they do have his bird rights, so they can offer him like a kind of a kind of like the Dwayne Wade one-year twenty million dollar deal they gave him, um, maybe a little more than his market value, but you make up for you know only being a one-year deal by offering a little more money. I think that's what's going to happen with Goran, something like around the range of one year nineteen million, one year twenty million, um, which might be a little expensive for you know a guy his age, um, but you know for to get him to sign a one-year deal, that's kind of what the price is. So. Um, and they have the room to do that. They have the, you know, like I said, they have his bird rights so they can exceed the cap. So I would, I would expect Goron. Um, there's, you know, there's mutual interest. Goron wants to stay with the Heat. The Heat want to keep Goron. Um, you know, we all know Jimmy loves Goron, so there's some uh, that carries some weight as well. So I, I think Goron will be back next season. Jay Crowder, um, you know, they will obviously try to keep him too. That one to me is a little more uncertain. Um, they would probably offer him a, a similar type of deal where it's a one year. Uh, maybe a little more than his market value, maybe one year 12 million or one year 13 million. They have the room to do that. Uh, but it just depends on what Jay Crowder gets in the open market. If he gets a three-year deal, you know, $28 million, I don't know how he could pass that up. So, Jay, I'm a little more uncertain, you know, if he'll be back. Hey, Anthony, the Heat made news recently when they added Karan Butler to the coaching staff, and that gives them all three assistants are former Heat players, Chris Quinn and Malik Allen are the others. And, you know, I – I trust just about everything that he does. They're that good a franchise. Um, and they're bringing in their guys that know their culture and everything like that. Uh, they reward their former players. But if you're looking at this with a critical eye, my question to you is, do they have that sage old coach that, that you, a lot of staffs have on the sidelines that can maybe challenge Eric Spolster's thinking during a game? Is, is that something that maybe they're missing? I mean, when you look at the staff, yes. I mean, there isn't that guy, but you can make the argument that's Pat Riley, right? I mean, he may not be in the sidelines, but 
he has a very game, active yeah. voice. He has a very active voice uh, in the organization, and you know, I'm sure he, you know, he, I'm sure he challenges Eric Spolstra and questions certain things he does, um, and they have that type of relationship. And obviously, he has Eric Spolstra's respect. But you know, it's been for the past few years now where they haven't had that like experienced assistant coach on his staff. Like even last year, I mean, the guy, you know, Dan, it was this same staff with Dan Craig, who Dan Craig has never been a head coach before. Um, so I think it, it seems like lately Eric Spolstra has turned to more of a uh, using his staff as player development guys, you know, they turning to player development guys to as assistant coaches and at his, and as his uh, behind the bench coaches, and that seemed to work out. Work out like look at all the young guys that have developed and grown their games, and the Heat have kind of become known for that. So, um, and it also seems like you know Eric Spoelstra did not play in the NBA, so he has these former NBA players on his staff. I think four now when you when you count Karan, Anthony Carter, Chris Quinn, Malik Allen, but playing the NBA and can relate to a lot of these guys and have that cachet of playing in the league, like that helps Eric Spolscher as well. Anthony, what'd you think of, you know, just yesterday, the Bucks loading up, you know, and now, you know, Giannis has, you know, a lot of help, you know, a big trade. And obviously Milwaukee paid pretty steep to, you know, to make the moves that they did. How do, how do you, what do you think of that? And then also how that kind of affects the market for Miami too, because you obviously Miami, you know, wants a reasonable deal that doesn't involve paying too much, or, you know, giving away some of that young core if they can, if they can avoid, and they can avoid that. Yeah, I know. It's interesting what Milwaukee did yesterday. You know, I think we all knew that the Bucks had to do something after what happened in the way the season ended last year. Um, they weren't, they couldn't just come back with the same team and, and, you know, Giannis would not have been okay with that. And right now they're trying to, they're trying to get, please Giannis at all costs. Um, and he saw that yesterday and then they gave away three first, uh, three first round picks. I think two or three pick swaps. Um, to get Drew Holiday, who's a very good player, very good two-way player, one of the best defenders in the league, a very good offensive player, but he's never made an all-NBA team. Um, it's not like we're talking about a top-ten player here. So that's a lot to give up. Um, they're definitely a better team with Drew Holiday. Um, and if it makes Giannis happy, then that's all that matters, really. Um, so, you know, you can't criticize the trade if that's the case. Um, I think the question with the Bucks now and Giannis is: Does Giannis does that is that enough for Giannis to sign the supermax here before the season starts? Because if Giannis signs the supermax deal and you know basically bypasses free agency next offseason, that takes Giannis uh, out from the Heat's plans, and the Heat will kind of have to turn to somebody else in 2021 or just say, "Well, we can't plan for 2021 anymore. That's you know we can't be saving cap space for." Uh, Giannis anymore because Giannis won't be available so that would definitely have an impact on the heat and I think that's what we're watching for now does this is this trade and also getting Bogdan from uh from Sacramento is, is that enough for Giannis to sign Supermax because if, if it is and the heat 2021 plan will change um as far as the market price now for trading for a star yeah the heat don't really have picks to trade right now and it right. took three first round picks to trade for Drew Holiday uh, so if you're thinking about eventually trading for Bradley Beal, you know, the, you have Tyler Hero. That's your number one asset, I think. You know, he's a, he's pretty much equal to probably a top three, top five pick in the draft at 20 years old. That's going to improve. You know he's good. Um, so that, that works in their favor. But if, like I said, if they could trade this year's pick for maybe a second rounder and a future first round pick that will unlock some, you know, other selections to be traded in the future, I think you have to consider that because – you need picks to trade for a star at some point. 
Anthony, talking about former Heat players that are now part of the coaching staff, uh, Udonis Aslam uh, announced a couple of days ago that he'll be returning for an 18th season. He has pretty much become that sort of like player assistant coach in in the eyes of many. Uh, You see Udonis' role continuing as it has been the last couple of uh, years? Yeah, I do. I think it'll be pretty similar to what we saw last year in the past few years. You know, he's not going to play much. He doesn't expect to play much. Um, but I, I think for Udonis, it's like, you know, he didn't say this. Oh, he, he admitted the pandemic changed a lot for him. Obviously, like he wanted that farewell ceremony. He wanted that, you know, that, that ending he envisioned. Um, and that could not happen in the bubble, obviously. Um, but I also think like the quick, it's almost like the quick turnaround after a month after the season ends pretty much training camp starts it's like why not come back it's just almost a continuation of of last season so um you know i think the hope is for udonis you know they, they they continue to win you know he wants to win another championship um they got close last season but also by the end of the year maybe there'll be some normality where he can have that night he envisions and he can have that ending to his career that he envisions um we'll see if that happens he did not commit to this being his last season so maybe he'll come back again for a 19th season next year. Uh, but yeah, I expect his role to be pretty similar to the one it's been uh, the past three or four years. Hey, Anthony, um, following up on that about Udonis, there's only five guys in the league who have been with one team as long. I think the list is uh, Kobe, Dirk, Tim Duncan, John Stockton, mm-hmm. and Reggie Miller. So that is pretty incredible. I think he's going to be the oldest player in the NBA and oldest player in NBA history. So uh, I'm glad uh, Santos asked that question about uh, no, another former Miami High guy in Udonis. I guess in our remaining moments, maybe one or two more questions for you, Anthony. I was curious, um, some of the uh, other uh, moves around the league, the Phoenix Suns last year, they were pretty terrific in the bubble. They added Chris, Chris Paul. Um, and then the talk about James Harden maybe going to the Nets and to form a super trio there with uh, Kevin Durant and uh, – and Kyrie, what are your thoughts on, 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 you know, sort of the rest of the league, maybe those, those two in particular? Yeah, Phoenix is an interesting team. Um, Devin Booker is one of the young stars in this league. You know, you add Chris Paul to kind of be his back uh, court mate. And then you also have DeAndre, DeAndre Ayton, who was a former number one pick there in the front court. Like that trio, is, you know, makes Phoenix a really interesting team. The Western Conference is really good. So you can't guarantee they'll be in the playoffs, but, you know, you would think that they'll be competing for a playoff spot. Uh, which is a win for Phoenix because they haven't made the playoffs in a while. Um, as far as Brooklyn, yeah, if, if they can get James Harden, um, I, it, you know, it seems like there's a lot of smoke there and James Harden wants to play for Brooklyn and, you know, team up with Kevin Durant again. Um, they're going to be, I mean, you could talk about the one ball thing and you know, how, is that, how are they going to make that work and will that work? That is a lot of offensive talent on that roster. Um, so I would think they'll be the favorite in the East if they can get James Harden. And, you know, for the Heat, the Eastern, the Eastern Conference is tough. Like Brooklyn, whether they get James Harden or not, they're going to have Kevin Durant Kyrie Irving. They're a very good team. You have Milwaukee, who just got better. You have Boston, who went healthy. If they return all their guys and, you know, they, they have three first-round picks this year, they're probably going to get a little better as well. They're very good. And you still have Philly, who just got Doc Rivers as a head coach and all, still has uh, Joel Embiid and, and Ben Simmons. So the Eastern Conference is not easy. The Heat finishes the fifth seed last year. You know, it's crazy to say, but you would almost wouldn't be surprised if they finish 
as a fourth or fifth seed this season just because of how tough it is. So um, if if Brooklyn gets James Harden, it'll just get a little tougher. Anthony, ESPN, the early power rankings have Miami ninth, and that's behind Philly and behind Boston. Obviously, Milwaukee made a huge move, a couple of huge moves, but as of right now, assuming the Heat, obviously it's affected if the Heat make a, some sort of trade, but if they don't, where is, do you think that's too low? Where you know, how, what do you think of that as far as like their projection as of right now going the next year? It's tough. like in the regular season, I would say I would still consider Boston, Milwaukee to be, be a better regular season team. Um, I would still consider Boston to probably be a better regular season team. And Brooklyn, if Kevin Durant's healthy, even if they don't get James Harden, like with what they have around right now, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, I would consider them a better team. Um, you know, it's competitive. I'm not saying they're clearly better, but it's competitive. And, you know, that means the Heat fall. I, I still think the Heat, um, I can't put Philly above the Heat right now just because of they haven't made any big changes other than a coaching hire. And they disappointed, you know, they disappointed last season. So I, I would put the Heat fourth right now in the East. Um, but again, I just think it's going to be very competitive and you, you face any of those teams go against each other in the playoffs. Uh, it's going to be, it's going to be a good series. So do the Heat have a chance to go to the East again? Sure. But it's not going to be easy. And they're definitely probably not going to enter the season as the favorite, unless they, uh, you know, make a trade or make a significant addition in the next few weeks. I mean, the Heat's number one in the East. Come on. Forget about it. I trust Pat Riley, <laughs> everything he does, coach Spo. but anyway, <laughs> Anthony, thanks for joining us, man. We got to bump you now for Olympic gold medalist. Thanks for joining us, though. I understand. I understand. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. All right. We'll be right back with a gold medalist right after this. Hey, look what I found. A radio. Radio. This is Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Man, I love my kids so much. I once sat for three hours in the cold rain to watch her soccer team lose by 18 goals. I love my kids so much, I once used a tube to suck snot out of her stuffed nose at 3 a.m. You win. Love your kids? Love them enough to make sure they're in the right car seat. From toddlers to tweens, visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to find the right seat for their age and size. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and whatever, just don't text and drive. Visit stoptextsstoprex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. We'll be back with Front Page 305 on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Good morning, amigo. And then I'd have one more question for him. Did you take steroids? Hold on. Did you take steroids? Why, how can I but do why, all of that and then not ask him? But why would you do that? He's not going to answer that question. Why would you answer such a question? 
Why not? I'm asking him. I bet he answers the other two very nicely of without course. a problem. Yeah, so why can't he answer the last one? He's going to hang up on us. Why can't he answer the last one? He's going to hang up on us. Just tell me no, he didn't. I'm giving him an opportunity for me to no longer judge this based on what I heard from one person in the New York Times. I don't want to believe it. He didn't take steroids. He ate platanos. Good morning, amigo. Weekdays, 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. It's important for you to talk to someone about it. I felt so much better after my son told me, Mom, we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash our stories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. There's no losing, only learning. There's no failure, only opportunities. And there's no problems, only solutions. So to me, what failure is, failure is the mother of all success. If it wasn't for Michael Jordan getting cut from his ninth grade basketball team, he wouldn't have became Michael Jordan. <laughs> You know, if it wasn't for, uh, I seen an, an article the other day where they were talking about Oprah Winfrey and how she got fired because she wasn't good for television. You know, you got people like Walt Disney who got fired, if I'm not mistaken, from a newspaper saying he had no imagination. So what do you tell them? You tell them, you know? You know that, that all they can do is learn and come back bigger, better, stronger, because all it's gonna do is lead you in the right direction. See, if you're always winning, then you don't really understand what it is to win. You, you got to take those losses. You got to take those hits. There's got to be the valleys, the peaks, the ups, the downs. In order for you to, when it does happen, you go, wow, rico. You know, this is what it's all about. And not only that, it's never about making it, guys. It's always about maintaining it. That's the toughest part. On behalf of all of us here at Slam Radio, we would like to thank you, Pitbull, for making this dream become a reality. Hey, everybody. This is John Resnick from the Goo Goo Dolls. Giving a big shout out to Slam Radio, the only student-run radio station that's all national. Awesome, guys. Congratulations. And now we're back with Front Page 305 on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Hey, yeah, I want to shoot, baby. Shoot. What a great song. That shoot by Salt and Pepper. The reason I think that we have our own shoot. We've got Lindsay Shoot, won an Olympic gold medal in rowing at the 2008 Beijing Games. She's rowing royalty because she won it. She's a two-time NCAA All-American, a three-time world champion, and she's in the U.S. National Rowing Hall of Fame. I could go on and on. There's more, but uh, you get the drift. Lindsay, welcome to the front page. Ah, thank you so much for having me. This is incredibly exciting. It is officially launch day. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We want to talk about your book. So tell us the name and tell us uh, why you decided to write it and 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 uh, where people can get it and, and what you wrote about. Yeah, it's called Better Great Than Never. And it's that's a reflection. The title itself is all about the fact that I didn't actually start the sport that you just talked about a little bit rowing until I was 20 years old. And when I did, I was unfit and insecure and overweight and very serendipitously, you know, found the sport and it changed my life, you know, all the way from there to the Olympic gold medal. 
with me being out of shape, Lindsay, there's still a chance for me to be an Olympic champion. Is that what you're telling me? There is still a chance for you to be better than you were yesterday. And okay. that's what it's all about, right? That's the book. It's, it's one step at a time, patience. And no matter where you are, it is never too late to say, hey, you know what? This is not where I want to be. I want to be there. And you have to be willing to stay patient the whole time. The other, other thing with the book that it really champions is, you know, sports. It's all about teams. It's not just you out there. Whatever you can learn from those around you and whatever you can gain from their experience is only going to make you better in the long run. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Lindsay, just wanted to ask you, what, what was the moment like when you won gold? Because I've, I've interviewed some gold, some medalists, not just gold medalists, but medalists like Eddie Alvarez was one of them you know, just broke through with the Marlins and, and, and the buildup, you train so hard for all of that. Then when it finally becomes a reality, I mean, it's every four years even, and you only get a certain amount of shots even at it. You know, what, what's that like when that achievement is finally a reality? It hits you like a completely unexpected ton of bricks. And once I finally understand it, I'll have to come back on at some point in the future and let you guys know. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but it really is. I remember the moment and I write about all of these things in the book, the way that it felt in that moment. So you definitely get a glimpse into the mind and what it's like to really be there. As soon as at the Olympic games, fun fact, they give you your medal first, shake your hand second so that you can get your medal. It's as soon as possible. And as soon as they put that thing over your neck and it hits you and it's so much heavier than anything you could have expected. Wow. You know, for me, my whole body just started to shake and I started bawling. I went from smiling and clapping and excitement oh, to, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. just bawling like a baby. You can imagine it's years and years of all that training. And then it's like, that's the payoff right there. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it makes it feel like your all of your emotions, everything is just expanded. You know, your ability to feel things is just exponentially more and also to appreciate yeah. things, all the small things that it really takes you to get somewhere like that. Where do you keep the medal now? <laughs> uh, close at hand so I can close share it with as business. many people as possible. Your, <laughs> I, 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 I always ask that of medal winners. I don't, they don't tell me specifically where it is, but just do they, have, do they wear it once in a while? Do they have it around? That sort of thing. Here are the GPS coordinates so you can find it. No, I, I keep it handy, right? Yeah. I keep it handy because I want people to be able to see it and feel it and experience it. I, I get asked a lot, oh, why isn't it in a safety deposit box? That's exactly why. It's not just about me. It's about the whole experience. Nice. Lindsay, at one point you were 30 pounds overweight, which is something a lot of people can identify with. Yeah. What are the keys to losing weight and keeping fit? Yeah, it, it starts with one, you know, it starts with just the decision and expecting yourself, not everything at once. You got to stay patient with it and really make it manageable. Think about, you know, you have a ton of things you need to do. If you step back and stare at it and go, oh my gosh, that seems really unmanageable right now. You have to take it one little manageable chunk at a time. I actually write a little quick story, a hook in the book about climbing a hill on a bicycle. It's very similar. Take a peek every now and again at where you want to go. But if you only stare up there, it's very disheartening because it's a slow process. Manage what's right in front of you. The other thing specifically about staying healthy is find what you enjoy. You have to be able to fold it into your daily life. One of my friends calls it passive recreation. I ride my bike everywhere. Right? I, give my, I give myself an excuse to just build activity into my day any way that I can that allows me to really enjoy it. I mean, this is the reason why Shoop is my friend. I wrote about her for the Miami Herald, I think about four years ago. No, but all jokes aside, I really love listening to you. You're so wise and so smart. And, and the stuff that you're telling is really relatable. So I really hope people pick up this book. 
because I learn a lot every time I'm inspired when I talk to you and, and, you know, you know me pretty well. I don't, I don't BS about that stuff. I, I just think the world of you and, and the next question, I guess I wanted to ask you, Shoop, was about the Marlins hiring the first female general manager in the history of the game. And yeah. you're somebody, you know, who's a, a pioneer and, and you've done something and female empowerment and all that, which, you know, I'm certainly all for it. <laughs> What do you think about that? And what do you think about Yeah, I think you write in your book about possibilities and more and more things that women can do. What are your thoughts when you hear the Marlins make a move like that? I know everybody out there can't see me nodding the whole time you're talking, but you know, my teammates and I, when we won the Olympics, it was, we were the first women to, to win Olympic gold for the United States at the 2000 meter race distance. So even though we were the ones that were the first, that would, that was that happened because of all the women that came before us and took those tiny steps along the way. And I love seeing this because here she is, you know, the first for the Marlins. I also love that it's the Marlins, right? It's so Miami appropriate. Mm -hmm. And um, it's, it's a sign that things are possible. She isn't there just because of her. She's there because of all the things, obviously she, yes, worked very, very hard to get there, but all the things that built up to this moment. And it also shows that, not just that it's possible, but that it's happening and that we're only mm -hmm. going to keep taking steps from here. Santos, to, to kind of fold in what you asked a moment ago, the other thing is that it's, it's challenging. Whenever you want to make a change, you got to recognize that it's hard. It's not easy. If it were, everybody would do it. So go, hey, you know what? This is going to be a challenge from here on out. So this is where we are. We need to move forward. What can we do? How can we work together to make it maybe a little more manageable along the way? see more of this really exciting stuff happen for women as we move forward. Another quality you mentioned in the book, and you mentioned the team winning the gold, but um, the, the value of team, because that's yeah. universal throughout, you know, team sports, doesn't matter which one it is. I mean, can you like, tell us a little bit about that? Like, I know you, you, got, you, you touch on that a lot in the book as well. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so many times, you reflect on everything, you know, you step back, sports are always metaphors for work and human interaction. And the thing about sports is you're physically distressed. So you're maybe a little short on temper or something rather, rather than otherwise. But in terms of working towards something with other people, you're able to pick each other up along the way. You learn from one another, you help each other through the really, really tough times. There were a number of times that things just got really hard and really low. And I felt like I was the worst at the sport on the entire planet. And, you know, I, I tell a specific story about bawling my eyes out thinking my rowing career was over before it started. And one of my teammates, she looks at me and goes, get it together, man. It's practice. We're going to come back later and work on it again. <laughs> and, you know, she just has this great sense of humor that I loved building that character into the book because that is who she is. She just gives it to you like it is. And that's what teammates are great for. They hold your hand when you need it, but they also smack you and go, Hey, get it together right? It's just practice. There is more time to keep working on this. What, what had happened? Some of the tiny things, right? About teammates. <laughs> what had happened there? You just had a bad heat or something, a bad practice? We, it was right as we were going into basically final selection for the first year that I was, that I was trying to make the team. And I mean, my partner that I was rowing a boat with, we went so slowly that a boat that should never have beaten us not only beat us, but demoralized us, passed us in practice wow. to the point where I literally was the worst on the team. And within a matter of weeks was able to turn it around and became the fastest to row my side of the boat in the country and wow. went and raced two events at my first world championships, you know? So it is never too late to turn things around no matter where you are. 
Dang it, we're talking about practice. And yeah. Practice, not the game. <laughs> it was okay. I'm sure it was all good. <laughs> well, it was selection too, though. It's practice, yes, but that's where the, the coach is going, okay, how are we doing today? Yeah, how am I going to pick the team that even gets wow. to go in the first place? Like, right, it's almost like qualifying. So you got Yeah, to, it was, a, it was yeah. a pretty critical practice. <laughs> yeah. Lindsay, one of the themes in your book is that possibility lives within us all. Can you yeah. expand on that? Yeah, the idea that for me, I had a I had a woman that has known me for a very long time said to me after I went home after the games, showed her the medal. She said, "You know, Lindsay, this is a val a social validation of the person you've always been." You know, and sometimes when it feels like you're doing nothing but not succeeding, or that the challenges seem insurmountable, you feel like, "What is working for me?" Well, the possibility within is that when we really identify the outlet for us to express that we find our feet, you know what, you might have a bad experience in something and you might truly over time discover that maybe that is not your outlet. Well, your willingness to try something new and take it on, even if it's intimidating and you don't know a lot about it. Um, also, you know, the higher up you go in terms of level of challenge, you are going to fail a lot. Mm -hmm. But the possibility that is within you as well is the piece that it wasn't about winning the Olympics. It was about being the best that I could personally possibly be. And the byproduct of that process was the Olympic Games. Every day I woke up and I said, well, how can I be better in some way? Even if my technique was off in the boat, I could lift or run or think or sleep or eat or hydrate any number of things better that would all accumulate to allow me to be the best that I could possibly be, right? Step back, survey where you are and go, okay, what can I do today to be a little better? I think if, if she were my coach, I would, I'd row the heck out of that book. She's so inspiring. <laughs> I mean, you know, I might drown eventually the boat, might capsize. But I, I, I can, well, then you get, you get, a, the you get someone to teach you how to swim or you wear a life jacket. You I, know? I know how to swim. I know how to swim. I'm just trying to make fun of myself, but no, you're very inspiring. I'm like, I would run through the wall for well, you. I, but, I, uh, go ahead. I gotta, uh, I gotta say, you know, I'm not gonna lie. Even writing this book, I had to step back and say to myself, Lindsay, you're writing a book about patience and the process. This takes time. Today is hard, right? Do yeah. what you can, do the best that you can with what you have, and take another step tomorrow. I, I can't tell you the number of times that I did that through the writing process, the editing process, and shoot now the process of trying to share it with people and get it in front of the world yeah. is literally me going to, you know, and saying, hey you might like this, give it a read, maybe share it with a friend. You know, I, I've you been, even, go ahead. Sorry. I'm sorry, have you been contacted by Miami Book for International? I know they don't have the uh, the event this year, but they're gonna do a, a virtual book fair. Have you been contacted by them? I haven't, I haven't been contacted with by them, but I did speak with someone that helped set that up and for the year since the timing of the book and how that those timelines all overlapped, especially going virtual, it's not gonna be it, too late to make that deadline this year. Um, but hopefully the next one in, in the future and um, maybe people will be talking about it there and say, hey, we should read this book. Um, but yeah, I love it. Suggestions like this are, are, are what help it grow and give it legs and show the possibility. You know, the, the thing that I'm saying with this book is aside from many things, the possibility of the book, but also the, the, va the val value and power of human connection. It starts with one and grows from there. 
and and Lizzie, and the other thing too, obviously my my two little girls, my little daughters, and I always want to put in front of them. You know, you're you're part of the the group of women that in my head that I want to put in front of them like positive role models. And one of the things too, I wrote a story once for ESPN about women. Mm-hmm. Yours about six foot, six foot and a half, maybe, right? Yep. Six yep. foot. Six feet, half an inch. Yeah. Six feet, half an inch. And I wrote a story about these women. They're six four and six five, and you know the whole phenomenon of you know, tall women slumping their shoulders because they're embarrassed. Society has kind of made them embarrassed to be tall because they're taller than the boy. That's not good and all that kind of stuff. Um, I don't know if you speak to that in the book, but just the whole idea of be confident in who you are, love yourself and like, hey, I'm tall and it's awesome to be tall. Is that something you get into or is that something you you sort of uh, identify with at all? Yeah, one of the one of the early readers of the book said, thank you for writing a book for the tall girl. And I didn't even realize that I was doing that. I just simply talked about how it was when I was growing up. I played basketball. I played a dozen sports growing up. And one of it, one of the pieces too, gosh, today I wish I were an inch or two taller. I wish I had more. You know, I have teammates that are taller than me. And every time we get together, we all wear heels. <laughs> you know. You go, girl. But the thing about it too is it's you know, it's not just the sports you play basketball. It's important to be low. So that's part of what you're doing. You're very intentionally getting lower. If people are shorter than you, just a general human response and communication is you get to their level. Um, You know, if you're working with kids, you typically squat or kneel down to be at their height. And so even subconsciously, you are shortening yourself, right? And you're, you're selling yourself short for, you know, for a pun intended. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But, you know, for me getting into rowing, shoot the guys that I rode with were six foot nine the women around me were also quite tall especially at that level Mm. so it just allowed you to go yes I would love to be taller here that is a reflection of the fact that being around taller people helps you know but really embracing it and with all the young athletes that I get to work with today is the idea of letting your chest be up and proud because you are embracing what you're doing and you're proud of the work that you're putting in um it's you know and that's and that's where I am today like I said I I wear a women's size 12 and a half shoe on my right foot. My left is still just a 12. So there's that imbalance as well. And it was hard when I was young because I had to wear boys shoes. I tell a story about that being made fun of because they didn't make girls shoes in my size. Mm. And the fact that my pant legs were always short, my short, my shirt sleeves. These are tall people problems. We joke about it. You go on Instagram, hashtag tall person problem. It is a thing. (laughs) Well, that's awesome. Lindsay, yeah. at 1 p.m. when our show wraps, I'm going to go somewhere and find a boat and start rowing because you are <laughs> very inspiring. And it's not rowing. It doesn't have to be rowing, of course. Just be anything I think we've learned yeah. today. Just uh, be the best at what you can be, whether that's journalism like the three of us, all sports yeah. writers or whatever your endeavor is, just to, to, to uh, I guess what I learned, just it starts with one, right? Just start yeah. that incremental goal and, and go from there. But as always, Lindsay, great, great fun to talk to you. I hope this helps in getting the word out about the book. I think Santos, because he was in a Miami-Dade College advisor, he knows about the book fair. Maybe off the off the air, we can we can help you with that. Any way we can help, we'd love to do it. And, and thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Yeah. So hopefully, right before you decide to flip out of the boat, if that's you, check <laughs> head over to Amazon, potentially pick up a copy, maybe gift one to a friend. The ebook is only a dollar right. ninety nine this week. 
so that we can really pay it forward. That's a special cool. thing, I, you know, so that early adopters can really um, share it with others if they enjoy awesome. it. So, you don't yeah. want me to drown before I buy a book. I hear what exactly, you said. Exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. But you said you know how to swim, so it's not about that, you know. And, Walter, and here in Miami is <laughs> Walter, audio book while you're rowing, while you're practicing. Yeah. There you go. Audiobook is coming early 2021. I'm working on that. So yeah, that's go. coming out there. But ebook, okay. paperback, hardcover is, is out okay. right now. Audiobook coming early. <laughs> All right, Shoot. Thanks. And we'll be right back after this message. Thanks, you guys. Awesome. Hey, look what I found. A radio. Radio. This is Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Man, I love my kids so much. I once sat for three hours in the cold rain to watch her soccer team lose by 18 goals. I love my kids so much, I once used a tube to suck snot out of her stuffed nose at 3 a.m. You win. Love your kids? Love them enough to make sure they're in the right car seat. From toddlers to tweens, visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to find the right seat for their age and size. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and whatever. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. We'll be back with Front Page 305 on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Good morning, amigo. And then I'd have one more question for him. Did you take steroids? Hold on. Did you take steroids? Why, how can I but do why, all of that and then not ask him? But why would you do that? He's not going to answer that question. Why would you answer such a question? Why not? I'm asking him. I bet he answers the other two very nicely of without course. a problem. Yeah, so why can't he answer the last one? He's going to hang up on us. Why can't he answer the last one? He's hang up on us. Just tell me no, he didn't. I'm giving him an opportunity for me to no longer judge this based on what I heard from one person in the New York Times. I don't want to believe it. He didn't take steroids. He platanos. Good morning, amigo. Weekdays, 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. It's important for you to talk to someone about it. I felt so much better after my son told me, Mom, we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. There's no losing, only learning. There's no failure, only opportunities. And there's no problems, only solutions. So to me, what failure is, failure is the mother of all success. If it wasn't for Michael Jordan getting cut from his ninth grade basketball team, he wouldn't have became Michael Jordan. <laughs> You know, if it wasn't for, uh, I seen an, an article the other day where they were talking about Oprah Winfrey and how she got fired because she wasn't good for television. You know, you got people like Walt Disney who got fired, if I'm not mistaken, from a newspaper saying he had no imagination. So what do you tell them? You tell them, you know? You know that, that all they can do is learn. 
and come back bigger, better, stronger. Because all it's going to do is lead you in the right direction. See, if you're always winning, then you don't really understand what it is to win. You, you got to take those losses. You got to take those hits. There's got to be the valleys, the peaks, the ups, the downs. In order for you to, when it does happen, you go, wow, que rico. You know, this is what it's all about. And not only that, it's never about making it, guys. It's always about maintaining it. That's the toughest part. On behalf of all of us here at Slam Radio, we would like to thank you, Pitbull, for making this dream become a reality. What's up? This is Gronk, and you're listening to Slam Radio. For every sport of every kind, tune in here where you will find. And now we're back with Front Page 305 on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Uh, our producer Frankie play the Magnum PI um, because I'm running out of songs to bring to talk about Tua him being from Hawaii. Should, I should I should have worn my floral Tom Selleck shirt for that for that yes. part right there. <laughs> right. And by the way, I want to give a, a, a shout out to Magnum PI. I think this is the better show. Santos, I know you like your traditionalists or the old stuff, but I, this is a better show because the Higgins is better. It's the female Higgins. And she's the female Higgins, right? The female that, Higgins, yeah. makes it a better show automatically, that, right? that clinched it in episode one for Walter. It was over right there. <laughs> I love the female Higgins, I got to say. Well, Andre, let's talk uh, quickly here uh, in the remaining uh, 17 minutes that we have. Let's talk about Tua, first of all, and the Dolphins. Tua? Tua. I got to say, I'm surprised. Mm-hmm about how good the Dolphins have been this year. I didn't see this coming. I know our, our friend and colleague, Manny Navarro, thought they'd win three games this year. That's laughably wrong now. But Tua, he's still not an upper echelon quarterback. He's 3-0 as a starter. But what's really been amazing, Andre, has been that defense of special teams. The play around him has been really good. Well, that's the whole thing. I think when you look at this Dolphins team, everybody's so focused on Tua. And, yes, he's been effective enough. And, he, and you know, no interceptions so far still developing it, it's it's interesting how they've been able to do that while still winning and it really is the defense because you know every category i think they showed a graphic this morning on nfl network where there's drastic marked improvement in almost every defensive category and that's where right now you know this would have been a joke to to a lot of people a few weeks ago but when you look at not just the dolphins potentially being a playoff team but now especially after that hail hail murray the other day that brought buffalo down to seven and three Right. This is starting to get a little realistic where they could win this division potentially. And, and it doesn't sound that outlandish if you look at the teams. Miami's defense is better than Buffalo's right now statistically. Buffalo is not a good running football team either. The Dolphins are. They're plugging in guys off the street like Salvin Ahmed comes in Incredible. and he's running for like, you know, close to 100 yards. They're running the ball better than the Bills too. The key though is the quarterbacks and that's where it could come down to in a matchup like that. Obviously, Josh Allen's having a great season. They've got better weapons as far as wide receivers go with Diggs and Beasley and John Brown and, and Gabriel Davis and those guys. So, but you could catch one week where if the Dolphins defense put, you know, give enough of a hard time where they pressure Josh Allen, force him out of his rhythm a little bit, the Dolphins would have a chance in a scenario like that. The only problem is that game is right at the end in week 17, you know, and we know how it is around January in Buffalo, potential blizzard. But if the playoff started right now, you'd be looking at a rematch the following week. Right now, it would be the 6-3 match of Miami and Buffalo. So I'm just saying, it's not far-fetched to think this team can not only make the playoffs, but also win the division if they keep playing the way they're playing. Yeah, I've become a little bit of a believer because of that defense. I think Tua, 
is developing, obviously. And it, a lot of people question when they bench Fitzpatrick at that moment they did. And, yeah. and things are working out. What do you think, Santos? Well, I think we talked about this uh, uh, maybe last week, Walter. To, uh, the Dolphins fans have been yearning for the next Marino. But is it possible that Tua might become the next greasy, you know, a quarterback who will do the, the job, you know, a mobile quarterback. Uh, now you mentioned the defense and that's what the early seventies Dolphins were known. The, the, the very strong defense, great running game running. and a quarterback that did just enough to win. I mean, everybody's excited about Tua and what he did in college. But are we seeing more of a, an evolution of a next Bob Greasy instead of a next Marino? Because everybody, when is the next Marino? They've talked about all these quarterbacks that have six, uh, followed Marino and none have really uh, done the job. So maybe Tua will be more of a Greasy version than, than a Marino. That's a great point, Santos. You both made outstanding points. And I, I would say one major, major difference, and I get your point completely, is, you know, Zonka, Kick, and Mercury Morris. I mean, there's oh. nowhere close to that right now. Maybe you might make a case that Devontae Parker could emerge as a Paul Warfield type. Um, probably fall short of that too, but I, but I get your point. But, and, that, and, but that's where this one. coming, sorry, that's where this coming draft can add those weapons because if the Dolphins right. go out and grab a running back, they also go out and get maybe Jalen Waddle from Alabama or sorry, a receiver Great of point. that caliber, you add more weapons to that. And then eventually if Tua becomes even half of what Kyler Murray or Russell Wilson are, plus everything they already have. And they have the best kicker in the NFL right now, Jason Sanders, too. Yes. So that's a great point. I love that Hale Murray line. That's funny. Well, let's move on from the Dolphins and something that's uh, near and dear to our hearts. Uh, we all covered uh, Shaky Rodriguez, and we, we lost him tragically uh, recently, age 67, way too soon. And uh, Miami High, he, went, he led Miami High to my alma mater and Santos alma mater to five state titles. And then he had the greatest single-season win-loss record in FIU men's basketball history, I think it was 21 and eight. Uh, Santos, I know you also are very close to Shaky. What are your thoughts on on this loss for, for local basketball? Still devastating, Walt. I mean, this is uh, a man who, who, who just lived the sport. I mean, he was still coaching at Matter Academy. He, he still wanted to teach. I mean, he, wa he wanted to uh, just so immersed in the game and, and, and his career just speaks for itself. Uh, many of us are still shaken up by this. Uh, in, in a nice gesture, a uh, nice tribute, the city of Miami will name the street right behind Miami High, uh, Marco Shaky Rodriguez Way. Oh, wow. uh, there'll, be, there'll be a ceremony this week. Wow. And I mean, it's much, much uh, well-deserved. Um, there was so much basketball still in, in, in Shaky's, uh, you know, career. And uh, it, it's, it's really a, 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 a tough adjustment, a tough period for many of us that, that were close to Shaky and what he accomplished. Uh, Walter, you and I suffered through all those years when Miami High had good basketball teams, but could never get over the hump, and get the hump being Jackson in the district finals. And, and with Shaky, I think it was his third year, they finally did it, and they didn't look back. Not, not only did they win district championships, but they went and won state championships five times, as you mentioned. And that's pretty remarkable. I didn't live that era with you guys, but considering the, the rich tradition of Miami High that goes back to the beginning of the 20th century, that Shaky was a part of restoring 
the, the, the team really to the glory that it had in the past and in an era where it was more competitive and, you know, wasn't, you know, a lot more schools in Dade County. But like, yeah, I mean, I I always respected the man so much as far as his coaching, because people always said, oh, he's got talent. And, you know, we know how there was always so little things about recruiting, whatever. But he coached that talent so well. And I noticed that just he was such a good game coach, too. Like I would watch him like I observed a lot of coaches. Sometimes you see coaches that are just a caretakers or maybe they don't really know as well. But Shaky was on point, like second per second of the game, making the right subs like he knew how to coach and get the most out of that talent. One of the jobs that I think was the most was when he did what he did at crop at the end with, you know, before matter with, um, you know, with, with the, with the cast, he had there, he had some talent there. I think Angel Rodriguez was the guy was the the guard. He had those pretty good there at the time, but he elevated that whole program to become a state championship contender. And I had, you know, nothing more respect. One of the funny stories obviously was, I remember when that, that, the recruiting, a thing was going on with with Krabim that Manny Navarro and I went to interview him and you know he was lamenting some of the things that had happened in the past and one of the things he brought up FIU and he said if I had stayed at FIU we'd be Gonzaga by now and I don't know I don't know if that's so far-fetched to think I mean maybe not number one in the country or something like that but he would have he could you never know he's still the best coach FIU has had in you know in all their time and maybe he does put them on the national spotlight look at the accomplishments he had there you know, beating Michigan once, you know, the, the kind of things. It's a shame he never got to the tournament with them because I think that would have been coming as well. Two NBA players, too, out of, yeah, out of, out of Shakey's exactly. program at FIU. Right, Carlos yep. Arroyo, Raja Bell. And I know that, of course, I'm going to miss Shakey. I, when I was working uh, for the Tropics, I spent a lot of time on him in uh, bus rides and plane rides and and getting to, to know him a little bit as, more as a person. And and certainly when I'm doing for the Miami Herald and doing the, uh, the basketball previews or anything to do with high school basketball, he's always, the, if not the first call, among the very first phone calls I made just because he's going to tell you straight, you know, what, what's going on. And, and Santos, I mean, you both guys have been, you and Dre, so great in the show because you're adding a lot of stuff I didn't know, that tribute to him at Miami High and the street sign, and that's, that's fantastic. Um, and so I'm really happy that they're doing that. And obviously it's a, it's a big loss and, and – you know, uh, my condolences to the family and including his son, Eric, who was an assistant coach. And I got to know Eric a little bit as well. Um, well, it, next topic in our remaining moments, uh, I guess let's touch on the hurricanes. I mean, that season's on, on pause now, Andre, uh, for, I guess by the next time they play, it'll be three weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are your, what are your quick thoughts on, on UM and seven and one are having a great season. What do you think? My, my quick thoughts are what a shame because, I mean, they survived the little two-game gauntlet I was worried about. They, you know, literally survive against NC State and Virginia Tech only to have this happen. And then on top of the other misfortune of having Notre Dame knock off a wounded Clemson team, and now it's like they're, it's like they're basically locked out of the title game. And if you look at the rescheduling, they've scheduled the very last game on December 19th. That kind of means that they're not counting on them making the ACC championship game. So right. it's like, uh-oh. So if Clemson gets upset, hey, ACC, what are you going to do? You're going to well, move the title game? Georgia, they would cancel Georgia Tech, I would imagine. I would imagine. Right, well, and, and then that's the other thing. I mean, what if that kind of decides factors into somehow into the standings or something? You know, you're, you're taking out a potential game. That's, well, it, I don't know. It's, but it's all unfortunate that they keep having these setbacks. It's a pandemic year. It's crazy stuff. But Derek King, the last two games, I think they, had, they were trailing by 10 points and 11 points in the third quarter. He brought them back with a, a touchdown pass late in each game. I think pretty much similar, you know, slant pattern. 
Oh, no, it was uh-huh. exactly the same. The Har- yeah. It was Harley the, the other week, and it, it looked like the same. It was like the, the carbon copy of the week before. Right, as Harley, then Pope. And I think that's that read option that sucks in the <laughs> linebackers, and they have to respect that, and then they, they bring the receiver. Uh, Santos, any quick thoughts on the Hurricanes and how they're doing this season? No, and, and, and the other important uh, addition is the kicker, Borregales. Uh, I mean, the, the last year, how many games were decided by missed field goals? And that's such a huge advantage that they have with Borregales now. Uh, give, considering the uh, the NCAA allowing uh, an extra year because of the pandemic, uh, you foresee someone like the Eric King maybe coming back next season? It's a great question. I I think I want what's best for Derek King, you know, and I I, I want him to make money. I want him to you know to start his career. High. I don't think he's going to be a high round draft pick. I think he may not even get drafted at all. The, the thing that I think about is what if with that new rule that's about to happen where you can make money off your likeness, couldn't he make money that way at UM as a big hero man on campus? And oh, he, he is right now. the yeah, He is the big man, right? And yeah, maybe well, maybe he gets his master's degree. I, I would I would be okay with whatever Derek wants to do. Just, you know, sometimes we think about ourselves and our as, as fans and what's best for the team, but I want what's best for Derek. Well, best quarterback in the ACC if Trevor Lawrence is taking snaps in green next year in the Meadowlands. Yeah, could be. <laughs> well, we've got very little time left. I guess maybe I'm I'm thinking three minutes. Let's talk a little bit of baseball. And I got, I mean, I wish I had more time talking about baseball because I got two experts uh, on, on baseball. We all love to talk baseball. Andre, start with you. Just about the Marlins and free agency. Do you think they're going to do anything? I don't think they will do much. And I guess I'm really curious about the Brandon Kinsler move. Uh, $4 million. They didn't pick up that option, which is a pretty cheap contract. So what are they going to do about closer? I mean, that, that's what surprises me because all the other closers that are out there are going to cost more. And, you know, if they, I guess if they really are committed to spending a little more to add to this team, I could see that being definitely the area. They kind of struck out on that a little bit beyond Kinsler and getting relief help last year. So, you know, the, you saw the, the, the last three guys, the high leverage guys were pretty good going as they going into the playoffs so i would tr- i would expect them to, to to lock that position up and if they can add on they need to add another bat because their offense kind of got exposed a little bit against the braves santos what do you think I, I don't know if they're gonna commit to multi-year deals with some of these relievers they they are so interchangeable nowadays and and they wear out you know we're talking about nick anderson being this great reliever and he was during the season uh former martin and look Look how he he was worn down by by the time the postseason started, so um, maybe that's why uh, they decided to part ways with Kinsler. There are going to be so many pl- players that are not going to get their options uh, picked up, and uh, I I just don't see them like, you know spending too much yet. Uh, they want to see what they can do with what's coming up from their farm system. Uh, I just don't see them spending them. They did pick up uh, Marte's option, which was important because they, like Andre says, they need they need more bats. And right now, from their from their system, nobody really has given them the the solid bat uh, that they can count on. I mean, we, we we saw last year was they brought up Sanchez. He he struggled miserably. They brought up uh, Luan Diaz, first baseman. He also had some struggles. Monte Harrison pretty much became the pinch running extraordinaire, but you couldn't really count on him offensively that much. So if, if, if they do make a, a, a move free agent wise, they do need a, another bat. And they don't, and they won't know about DH yet officially 
you know, right. before the deadline, which is interesting because of, because of Aguilar, you know, if, if Aguilar comes back, you, your ideal thing would be to put, put him at DH while Lewin Diaz can play first most of the time, but we'll see. Right. Yeah. When are they going to announce the DH, whether they're keeping that or not? Uh, not before the deadline is to 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 basically do the non-tenders and, and see who they keep and who they don't keep. So, And, and the 40-man uh, roster they're going to have to add, I think they're going to add Devers and, and Car- the shortstop. Yeah, Connor that part's easy. Yeah. yeah, I think that part's easy. Those are the two, <laughs> the only two they need to protect. And, yeah. and Carnarcion guy could be really good. Uh, um, guy's got a good arm and... Uh, and uh, big bat potential in the future, and I yeah. and I think our producer's probably waving us. Uh, it's time he's, to go, man. You guys, he's giving, were, a, he's giving us the home run signal. We gotta go. You guys were great. This almost sounded like a professional show. I mean, it's amazing. So we'll be back. That's enough. <laughs> we'll be back next time. Thanks for joining us. The views and opinions expressed on Front Page Three Hundred Five are entirely those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Slam Radio.